Hi guys, it's Rachel, and basically today I'll be reading chapter 5 and 6 of Clarice Bean Spells Trouble. Also, if you want to leave a written message, you can leave it on my website. It'll be in the description in the link. <clears throat> the link will be in the description below. And also, if you want to leave a voice message instead, the link will also be in the description. <coughs> The link for the voice message will be the anchor link, and the link for, um, gosh, my podcast will be the one that's ha- that has Rachel's hobbies in it, <clears throat> and it's also by Weebly, so if you want to create your own, um, website, or basically anything like that, just download Weebly. Also, this is not sponsored, I'm just saying that. <clears throat> Chapter 5. Some days start off bad and end up really good. <coughs> I have kind of like a cold today. Not necessarily my throat is just kind of dry, but that's okay. Today, Carl wrote something on the school notice board, which as it turned out was not such a good idea. Although it does prove that he is a good speller. But if you are going to write Miss Wilberton Hash Trotters, then don't do it while she's walking along the corridor. <coughs> he said it wasn't him, which was also not a good idea. Since then, Miss Wilberton said, Well, Carl, Carl Renbury, you must either think I am blind or I am very stupid indeed. And Carl said, when I, Well, I know you aren't blind. Also, trotters are pig's feet. With Milberton... Miss Wilberton said she will need the weekend to think of a fitting punishment as she has run out of all the good ones because I am exceptional. this word again, exceptionordinarily eager to be in the school play and I do not want a main part. <clears throat> At the time, I must get on, and I do want a main part. I decide I must get on Miss Wilberton's good side and keep out of trouble. Ruby Redford would call it keeping a low profile, i.e. don't draw attention to yourself. Blend in with everyone else and try to do what they are doing. It's a Ruby Redford rule. So I look across the room to see what everyone else is doing, and I catch sight of Robert Granger sticking a pencil up his nose and leaving it there. I decide not to blend in with him. Instead, I copy Grace Grappello she's, since she's one of Wasilverton's favorites. But it turns out to do her smug, goody-two-shoes smile. So instead, I make up my own blending face. And so there I am. And so there I am, sitting with lots of concentration showing on my face. I do this by slightly crinkling my eyebrows so she can see anyone could that I am listening and most probably learning too. Even though it is highly dreary what she's saying. It doesn't seem to work, though, and before about four-ish minutes, I suddenly hear this voice, this honking voice saying, Clarice Bean, I know what you're thinking. I can see by the look on your face you are up to no good. And I say, even if, even I don't know what I'm thinking because I've gone off in a trance of boredom and actually, for your information, I wasn't thinking at all. But then she should just say, I knew it! Wasting time staring at space, vacant mind. Well, obviously, you need to fill that empty brain up with the eight times table. So instead, I say, but Miss Wilberton, I'm finding your lesson ex- exceptionally interesting, and I'm just concentrating 
hard on being fascinated by the interesting things you're saying. And Ms. Wolverton says, for a start, I find that very hard to believe. And second, there is no such word as ex- exception, exception ordinarily. You're making it up. And you can't just make up words willy-nilly, you know. <clears throat> Where would we be if we all just made up words? So you see, I can't win. So I just sit there, not saying a peep. My mom is trying to train me not to answer back. She says, not answering back will save you a lot of time in the long run. And I'll... And so, although I was tempted to say something, I don't, because I want a main part. So I must keep zipped. Booby Refer has a good technique for keeping it zipped, which is to put a couple of jawbreakers in her mouth. But there's a rule in our class of no gum chewing, so I can't use this brilliant idea. (coughs) By the way, for your information, the only actual person who can tell what I'm thinking is my mother. She's really good at it. She says she has, okay, gosh, she says she has had plenty of experience. Having been a mother for nearly half of her life, she says, mind reading is one of those things that mothers do really well. She says she's never really got the hang of the ironing, but mind reading, that's something she's really good at. In the afternoon, Swiftson announces the school play what the school play will be. It turns out we'll all be doing The Sound of Music, which Carl says is a drip is a drips movie and there's no way he would ever be in it. Which I agree about but secretly don't care. And I'm desperately eager to be in. You have probably seen the movie yourself because I tell you it's on at least once during Christmas time. Granddad loves it, but dad always offers to do this as soon as it even starts. He says he would rather sit with a rabid dog in a dark room for three hours than be made to watch The Sound of Music. Betty says preferably she would like to play the leading part of Julie Andrews, who in the story is called Mariah. Mariah is a, is a nun with a good voice who becomes a nanny and marries Captain Von Trapp who is a father of seven-ish or so children. The children all end up wearing outfits made of a pair of curtains and turn out to be really good singers, too. I would rather much like to be the eldest daughter of Captain Von Trapp, named Liesel. Liesel has a boyfriend who turns out to be into a Nazi, but before that, he is a mailman. Betty and me sometimes do the running down the hill in an apron when we are at the park. I don't tell Carl that. What does cheer me up after this dreary day at school is that Betty and me have got our first dance, her first drama dance voice workshop. We go along to the drama studio. It's the same place where mom does her yoga classes and it stinks of these stick things that they burn to cover up the smellings of feet. We try to get Carl to come too, but he won't. He says he would rather be with his dog than doodle around pretending to be something he's not. It's a shame because it turns out to be really fascinating and also interesting. The teacher, Zarina, is from an actual drama teaching school of drama, and she is madly attractive with an actual earring in her nose. She wears those kind of loose pajama outfits and little tiny shoes, a bit like dancing shoes, but not. They have sequins on them. She walks on tiptoe nearly always. She's half Pakistan, but her name is from Russia. 
Zarina. You have to pronounce Zarina, so I don't know why you have to bother with the C, but that's English for you. Anyway, Betty and me think Zarina is very glamour is a very gl- glamorous name, even with an unneeded C. And we wish and we wish we were called it. Zarina com- calls everyone my darlings all the time. Wh- whoever you are, and she says acting is a craft, but it's not a bit like the crafts I'm used to doing which are more about using felt and an odd sort of glue that smells of fish. She gets us to do all these special exercises that she says actors are trained to do. You have to do the special breathing and stretching and say these rhymes that are really difficult to say, and you have to do them over and over really fast. Zarina says, darlings, you must connect with the audience, draw them in, make them love you, make them hate you, use your voice, your body, your energy, captivate them, don't let them go. We have to do standing up straight and breathing deeply, right from our ankles up. Zarina says, fill your whole body with oxygen, feel it in your legs and tummy and fingers, now float yourself across the floor. Are you floating, darlings? It's so exciting. I didn't think I could float. But when she says it like that, I feel like I can. Zarina says, you're all fabulous, darlings. Floating fabulousness. It's really amazing to find out I'm so good at something I thought I wasn't good at. Zarina says, yes, it is extraordinary how talent creeps up on us when we are the least expecting it. Wow, so Zarina thinks I am a talent. Sometimes you think you know people, and then you realize you don't. On Saturday, Betty Moody comes over and asks us if we will go to the vegetarian shop to get some tofu, which looks like a very palish cheese, but tastes of nothing. When we go into the shop, there are lots of girls trying to get Kurt to serve them, and we have to keep waiting, waving to get him to notice us. Kurt is be- just becoming very, just becoming attractive. That's what mom says. Anyway, I can see what she means. He looks better than he used to. He has less acne, and his hair knows what it's doing more. Kurt has to wear a t-shirt. That's Kurt has to wear this t-shirt with eggplant written on it. He's good at his job. He really seems to know what he's up to. <clears throat> I'm itching to have a job myself, actually. I like the idea of working at the organic vegetarian shop because I like putting things in brown paper bags and swizzling them, which is mainly what you have to do. In the shop, lots of girls are all giggling quite a lot. In the shop, lots of girls are all giggling quite a lot and saying, Oh, Kurt, you are funny. And Kurt is quite funny, but not that funny. I'm slightly funnier, and no one is laughing at my jokes. Not even Betty. Waldo Park is in the shop, too. He's He is the shop's owner, and Betty and me think his name sounds utterly like a movie star. He is a very funny man, and he's always joking around, but a lot of customers don't get his jokes because Waldo Park is very good at keeping a straight face and not letting on that he's funny. Most of them just think he's a bit strange. The customer comes in. She's always in eggplant. She wears flip-flops even in the winter.
Waldo Park says, Hello, Suki. How are you today? And she says, Fine, except I've got a sore bit in my armpit. And Waldo Park says, I think you'll find it's pronounced sore bit. And a damp clot should remove it. Do you get it? I don't. Since it, since it is impossible to get served by my brother, I have to ask Waldo Park for some of that bread that is very heavy and is made with too many seeds. My mom loves it, but Grandad and I find it very difficult to chew. The trick is that you must drink lots of water. Waldo Park says the shop is teeming with teens. I'm beginning to feel a bit like a gooseberry. Unfortunately, I just sold the last ones. <clears throat> it's true that I've never seen that many customers who are girls around 14 to 17 years of age. Shorebay. Shore, I think it's called Shorebay. Yeah. It's, it's an iced fruit dessert. Dessert. If you say it wrong, like sorbet, it sounds a bit like sorbet. Kurt doesn't seem to be noticing any of it, which is a bit what he can be like. He's a Pisces or a Piscarian, which sounds like a vegetarian, but is in fact a word for the personality you are. It all depends on which month you're born, born in, and if it's February, you might probably be the sign of a fish and you would probably be a bit dreamy and not be able to concentrate. I found that out I found that out from the horoscopes. Mom says Kurt is a typical Pisces, which is true. He's a bit like a fish because he looks quite sad most of the time, which is what fish do. And he just wanders about not saying much, which is exactly what fish do. My mother reads the horoscopes all the time. Although she says she doesn't believe a word of it. Someone drops a jar of organic pickles and the smell is not pleasant. So Betty and me decide to make a quick getaway after we've bought some blue corn chips. A, a strange juice that smells of armpit slightly. Then we go and sit on the bench outside. Betty says she has, to, she has been to the Ruby Redford website again. And there is much more information about the Hollywood filming. And it has pictures of all the Hollywood actors who will be in it. Apart from Ruby Red for herself, the most important part is Hitch. If you don't know already, Hitch is a really amazing man. He does all the secret agent stuff for Ruby, and everyone thinks he's just a butler, and he is, but just, but not just. He gets Ruby cups of tea in the morning, but also drives her purple helicopter around rescuing her. Betty says the new Hitch looks exactly looks just exactly almost like the old one tidy hair all neat and slightly with a bit of gray he has identicalish eyebrows to the last hitch it is amazing what you can learn on the internet i don't get to go on it usually because kurt has it in his room and minnow and me can cannot be trusted when we have finished our snacks we go along to watch Grandad and Cement being trained by Carl to have manners. They're in the park. Okay.
They're in the park at the bottom of the hill. I'm expecting it to be quite dreary because we are not allowed to talk or interrupt and you would think being trained to have manners would be quite boring, but it turns out not to be. Carl is really good at training and Granddad and Cement learn it all quite fast. The main thing Carl is trying to do is stop Cement from jumping up on people and barking like a crazy dog. And the main thing he's trying to get Grandad to do is stop encouraging Cement to. I'm really impressed by Carl, and he's really nice to Grandad. Even when he does something wrong, he says, don't worry, you'll get the hang of it. And actually, I think Carl would make a good teacher person. You can tell they both like him. When Carl spots us, he does his impression of Miss Wilberton having trotters, which even Grandad thinks is exceptional. Exceptionally funny, and he's never ever seen Miss Wilberton's strata feet. After a word, Carl comes back to our house for supper. Mom makes us tofu burgers as an experiment, and they're a bit odd, but Carl is really polite and says they're interesting. My mom says, How's your mother, Carl? Is her walking dog business going well? And Carl says, She's okay. The dog walking is going really well, and she does five at once, usually. But Miss Mr. Patchen's dog has to be put to sleep because it was very aged, so she doesn't have that one anymore. Mom says, well, do say hello for me. Maybe I'll see her at the school play. And Carl says, maybe. After supper, me, him, and Betty are talking about the new Hollywood movie of Ruby Redford and how great it would be. I say, just don't know... I just don't know how they will show Ruby Redford flying with her tiny glider wings. Carl says it's easy. They do it all with special effects and little models and computers and stuff. Carl knows a lot of, a lot about all that kind of thing. Betty says they're going to do some of the filming here, and who knows, maybe near where we live. Betty watched a program about the movie Stars, and what happens is... They, when they are filming, they live in trailers. I say, I wish I could live in a trailer. Car says, I used to live in a trailer before he moved here, before my dad left. I say, wow, I didn't know that. How exciting. Carl says, it wasn't really. It was a bit, leak. it was a bit leaky. Carl's dad was a truck driver who then got out of work and was quiet in the dumps about it. And anyway, he's just he just went off and never came back and no one knows where he is. And Carl keeps waiting for him to call, but he never does. There's lots of stuff about Carl I don't know, and there's lots of stuff he won't tell you. But everything he does tell you is usually very interesting. Carl Rembery is a very private person. You think you know him, and then you realize you don't. When Carl and Betty have gone, I ask Mom, why do you think Carl's dad has just gone off like he has without keeping in contact, and he will, and will he ever come back, do you think? And mom says sometimes people just can't cope with life and then they get in a muddle and it can be hard to see a way out. And I say, but why does Carl's mom look for Mr. Wembury? Because Carl really misses his dad. And why doesn't she want to find him for Carl? And mom says, I'm sure she has her reasons. Perhaps she knows that Carl's dad can't be a dad at the moment. And she doesn't. And it doesn't mean he's a bad person. Things aren't always so simple. I wish... Things were more simple, but this is something I'm learning. It's very hard. It's very hard sometimes not to be in a muddle. 
I go and flick on the TV. It's in the middle of an episode of Rude Effort called Takes One to Know One. It's all very exciting because Ruby Redfern has just received a dreadfully posh invitation to Marty Stanmore's party. He's a millionaire boy from Twinford, and he always has marvelous parties all the time. Ruby is standing there looking at the invitation, and at the moment, Clancy Crew comes <clears throat> skidding up to her on his bike. He says, hey, have you heard about Marty Stanmore's party? Everyone's been invited. Isn't it weird that we haven't? Then Ruby looks at her invitation. Then she looks at Clancy Crew. And that's when Ruby knows that Clancy is the only one who hasn't been invited. This is, of course, unfair because Marty Stanmore doesn't like Clancy Crew because he's so cool. <clears throat> anyway, Ruby doesn't want Clancy to know this because she knows this will upset him. And then at that minute, Clancy spots the invitation and says, What's in your hand? And Ruby thinks really fast and said, What this whole thing? Just some new pizza delivery flyer. Doesn't look that good though. I'm sure won't be going. And then she puts it in the trash. And the episode ends with Hitch taking Clancy Crew and Ruby Refer <coughs> off for a ride in a purple helicopter. Instead of going to Marty Stanmore's posh party. And right at the end of the program, Ruby says to Hitch, You know, sometimes it's better for people not to be in the know. If if what they don't, they know ain't good to know. I think I know what she means. And that will be it for chapter 5 and 6 of Claire's Bean Spells Trouble. Um, yeah. Bye, guys.